Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Ramble, brought to you by myself, Dom, and my co-rambler, Dave. In today's episode, we're going to be chatting through the nil-nil draw to Newcastle tonight at the Emirates. Frustrations and tribulations, but before we get into all of that, Dave, how you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all good, thanks, mate. Um, pretty frustrated as well. Um, kind of forgot what it feels like to not win. Um, but at least it's not a loss, so, you know, could be worse. How are you, mate? Yeah, exactly. And we're still top of the table. We've still got a little bit of breathing space. And because it was a six-pointer of a game, you don't want Newcastle to be gaining any ground on us. So at the very least, they've not gained any ground on us. And it's only really Man City who have any potential ground to have gained from that game. But, you know, they, they drew the other day, so they're not infallible either. Exactly. Yeah, it it could be a lot worse. It's it's a game that you if you don't win, you don't lose. So you know that's that's what's happened. So um, yeah, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, exactly. So let's get straight into the game then. Um, we kind of started the game like a house on fire, which is a familiar uh, yeah. familiar for Arsenal this season. Um, unfortunately, we didn't manage to actually break the duct in the first five minutes or so that we were brilliant did we no no couldn't couldn't get those um chances turn into goals i think odegaard's probably was the biggest uh which was fairly early on within that first phase of dominance um it was sort of a it, i think it was a volley effort went over the bar probably could have done a bit better with it really um Gabriel had a, a good chance. Saka, another good chance at the, from the byline uh, where he took on Dan Byrne. It was sort of made you think, uh, is this going to be a, a sign of things to come in the game? Saka absolutely roasting Dan Byrne. Um, you'd think that'd be a bit of a mismatch uh, with with the size of, of Dan Byrne. Um, but they tended to deal with Saka and Martinelli pretty well on the, uh, on the wings. Um, despite those early chances created down there. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And to be honest, I, I thought the same as you with the whole Saka versus Dan Byrne situation. Uh, however, after Saka burned Byrne the first time on the uh, on the right-hand side, uh, Eddie Howe and Newcastle were quite wise to actually, they doubled and sometimes tripled up on Saka every time he received the ball in that area, which it really did nullify him. And where we, where Arsenal have been great in previous games this season, uh, it has been when teams have doubled up on Saka, we've been able to shift the ball from right to left really quickly. But for whatever reason in today's game, it just seemed like the guys in the middle, so Odegaard and Partey and Xhaka, the passing really, it was just about half a yard off every time or the ball was just behind whoever they're trying to pass it to. We couldn't quite shift the ball quick enough to be able to make use of that overload on the other side. And credit to Newcastle, they were they defended really, really well and they made it so frustrating for us, didn't they? Yeah, I think they've came to the Emirates with a game plan and that was... That was to get a draw, to get a nil-nil, to park the bus, play that low block. Um, and that's essentially what they did all game. Um, and like you say, credit to them because they do defend very, very well and they really did nullify our wide options with Martinelli and Saka. 
Uh, it was a game that I was really hoping to see Odegaard step up and and create it in that more central in those more central channels, but he just didn't really get much time on the ball. And, and like you just said, um, our passing just wasn't quite as crisp, and I think we just didn't have that extra yard to be able to to create a whole heap, um, mm. especially when they were playing in such a low block. Um, it was difficult to break them down. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And even some of Odegaard's more spectacular, audacious passes that he tries, uh, and usually he pulls them off, he was just he was putting a bit too much power on them. So it was just getting away from players like Xhaka who were stood in good positions to be able to receive the ball, or it would just fizz past players. And it, we're not used to seeing that from Odegaard. So it's it's a bit of a shock, really, to see a drop off in in how good he's been recently but it's just it could just be a one-off game he's been so great in the last 10-15 fixtures we've had especially the last two games so everyone could have an off day um but yeah a bit disappointing from him really um but yeah other than that I was I was quite impressed that the team that's third in the league came to Arsenal with a game plan that they were were playing for a draw, basically. They, they didn't have belief. After, well, in the first five minutes they tried to play, but then they realised how if they were to stretch the play, we would completely exploit that. So mm. the fact that they came to the Emirates with the idea that they've got to just play for a draw because they're not going to get anything more from this game. It, it says a lot about yeah. how far we've come. It does show how far we've come when third place are coming to, to us and, and playing for that. Um, in fact, they only had one shot on target the entire game. Um, that's how much they sat back and, and just defended and, and sort of hoped they could counter. But they didn't really even create much from the counter, to be honest. I think their their best chance of the game came right at the death of the first half. Um, it was a corner Um flicked on Joel Linton narrowly missed it at the back post it was fizzed in pretty quick but you'd have to say had that gone in you know it could have been a very very frustrating and tough second half so we probably went into the we probably went into the break quite happy to be honest because despite you know not scoring we we still were by far the, the superior team we were controlling large possessions of the game still creating chances not the most clearer cut chances um but um i still think we we would have gone into that break uh the stronger of the team what what you know do, do have you got anything to add on on the more of the first half it, it's it's a difficult one really there's there wasn't a whole heap to analyze really was there no not really um i think if there is anything to add about that first half, uh, it's not actually the team. It's more the the refereeing decisions and how mm. suspect and a bit strange, really. Uh, he started the game. It, it was okay the first ten minutes or so, but then from ten minutes to thirty minutes, he started giving yellow cards out left, right, and centre for challenges that weren't really yellow card worthy. And then it almost seemed like he had had a word in his ear to say look, uh, Mr. Badley, you're giving out too many yellow cards. You need to rein it in a little bit. 
And then mm. there were a few challenges, and I'm not being biased, from both teams. There were a few challenges from both teams which were definitely yellow card worthy. And then he yeah. wouldn't give a yellow card because he's already given too many out. And yeah. there just was no consistency in the first half. I think, I think um, there was. A, I can't actually remember specific examples because the games we've only just finished the game. But where a player would have the first foul, and it would be such a, a there would be nothing in it basically, and he'd yeah. give a yellow card. And then there'll be a player who's breaking through, and nine times out of ten, well, it should be ten times out of ten, that's a yellow card if they get brought yeah. down and he wouldn't even give a yellow card for it so the refereeing inconsistency was really strange and yeah uh, that's all I, I would uh, add from the first half yeah no that's a really good point he he really did lose control didn't he it seemed like he was making decisions based on emotion and how and, and previous decisions and sort of how how fair it would be based on what he gave before and all these sort of other aspects which shouldn't really come into play and for the last five minutes of that half it got really really scrappy didn't it um yeah i think i think newcastle um made eight fouls in that first half uh alongside persistently wasting time um and and, yeah and and just the two bookings to arsenal's three he just was not having a good evening um and yeah i think i think the halftime came at a, a good time for the ref because it allowed him to just sort of reset, come back out and I think he did improve in the second half but he was he was still dishing out yellow cards but he had to he had to keep consistent I guess. How bad is it that for a Premier League elite level referee we have to say half time came at a good time for the referee. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they shouldn't need to have a break. They should be absolute elite level referees but yeah, I know what you're saying, and it, it didn't help having Kieran Trippier in his ear constantly all mm. game. Anytime there's any decision to make, Kieran Trippier was there. And to be fair, I guess it does kind of work because he's, because of the decisions that he ended up making. So maybe some of our mm. boys need to, to take a leaf out of his book and get into the referee's ear a bit more. Well, I, th- I, th- I think we tried it. Um especially with some of the the penalty sort of shouts later on in the, in the game which we'll we'll discuss a little bit later but you know I, I think we 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 tried to to give it some um to 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 sort of sway the the refs minds or even the the officials in the VAR box to to have a look at it um but yeah <laughs> for whatever reason it just wasn't working it wasn't going our way to, um this game with with decisions um but you know we come out in the second half um probably not as strong as we did in the first half i think there was a um, a chance right at the start of the second half um due to for newcastle that is due to ramsdale not quite kicking it out as quickly as as he should have um which resulted in a a very good chance for newcastle um and and that sort of then allowed them to really get back into the game a little bit for the first maybe 15 minutes of the second half um why do you think you know why do you think that was why why don't why don't you think we came out of that second half as as good as we normally are um i think maybe it's we've been so used to 
we're leading at the break <clears throat> or at least knowing that we've had an absolute onslaught from the first half so we'd created so many chances whereas I think they entered they entered the second half knowing that they hadn't really got a lot from the first half and thinking they're not really too sure how they're going to approach this really they don't know how to break them down they've been struggling and they don't want to do another have play another 45 minutes of the same sort of horseshoe yeah. you know, football but it's uncharacteristic of Ramsdale really and we've said this in the last couple of games that he's wanted to play long all the time and then mm. and then in this instance he just dawdled on the ball didn't he 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 had a yeah. he had a option to play short or play long, and it was like he was caught in two minds and didn't want to do either yeah. until he got pressed into making a decision, and then he he kind of fluffed it, didn't he? Really, and it, it fell to yeah. fell to Newcastle player, and then they had to be fair. I think Newcastle should have been more clinical there. They they themselves mm. were caught in a bit of indecision and didn't actually get a real shot away. But yeah, yeah we could have really been punished in that moment and. We we're quite fortunate, really, to have not been. But yeah, I, I don't know what's what's up with Ramsdale at the minute. It it seems like everything else in his game's pretty decent. Still, he's you know he's handling skills and and what have you. But it, it's his distribution. But that's what he's that's what he's in the team for. That's what we brought Ramsdale in the team to do is to have elite level distribution, and that's what's letting him down at the minute. Yeah, I mean in in the last. Two or three games, you know, West Ham, Brighton, today's game, he's not really had to pull off that many saves, has he? Um, but, th- yeah, notably his distribution has been quite poor in comparison to, to previous. And even today, I noticed he was going long to Saka sometimes. He was being marked by six foot seven Dan Byrne. And I'm thinking, you know, why? <laughs> what are you... What? What are the odds of Saka winning that ball? Um, and I don't think he did what it wants. Um, so, yeah, some some strange decision making from Ramsdale almost caught him out with with that chance for Newcastle. And it, and it really did seem that that was the only way Newcastle were going to score. It was going to be from an Arsenal error, or you know, or a set piece. Um, there wasn't really any other way that they were getting into this game. So, for us to concede that chance that that was disappointing yeah oh yeah definitely and and you saw the uh, the Newcastle fans um, behind the goal whenever they won a corner they celebrated like they'd scored because they knew that this mm. was the only way that they could possibly even get a chance in the game yeah. so yeah yeah, it really did show that <laughs> there's one particular lad uh, I'm going off piece here a little bit, but there's one particular lad in the, in the uh, stand for Newcastle with his shirt off, and every time the camera yeah. panned to him, he was going absolutely mental. And to be fair, for away fans, you do love to see that and see that atmosphere being built in your stadium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was, like you say, it was the only way they were getting the game, so they're celebrating it like a goal almost. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get into the um, the the first? penalty shout in the game. I think it was around the 60th minute. Um, there was a sack of free kick, uh, puts it into the box and Dan Byrne is practically dragging Gabriel's shirt off his body. Um, I've seen some images where he's, this t-shirt is practically reversed uh, on his body because it's been twizzled that much. Um, you know, 
what are your thoughts on that? You, you know, penalty? Well, when it actually happened initially, they didn't really, on the commentary, they didn't really talk about it at all. It was only um, once the ball had rotated out and um, a few minutes later, they they started talking, oh, there was a bit of um, bit of an altercation in the box and they are having a look at it. But normally, if something something so big had happened in the box, they'd be... Gary Neville would do his oh noise and, <laughs> and it would get it would get analysed straight away. So I thought that was a bit weird. But um yeah, I, I do definitely think that was a penalty. Um he had he had two hands on him, he was pulling his shirt. Um we've seen penalties given for a lot less, notably yeah. the shirt pull that um Xhaka had on Bernardo Silva last season. The the the, the little tiny shirt pull uh, as he's running past him, at which he then subsequently dived afterwards and still mm. won the penalty. But this is a clear as day example of someone being thrown to the ground whilst having the shirt pulled and they still don't get a penalty for it. And it's it's crazy. Like, that's what VAR's for. Why, why are they not pulling that back? Yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I'm, I'm not sure how VAR aren't getting involved on that. I think they get a bit too literal with this. It's got to be a clear and obvious error. But in my mind, that is a clear and obvious error anyway. Um, you know, the ref hasn't seen it. Um, so maybe that's why it's not being looked at because he didn't even make a judgment call. But yeah, they just they, they didn't seem to, to shout about it as much as they should either, uh, Arsenal players. I, I wish we'd have sort of screamed for it a bit more as well. I mean, I... I I know it's all psychological, but I think it does play into the minds of the people in the VAR box, the refs. The you know it 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 plays into their to their minds when making that decision. Um, mm. But like you said, the commentary didn't really uh, discuss it much, um, and I'm 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 also sure that the, the VAR officials are listening to the the commentary alongside the game. And that also plays into the mind because I've definitely seen games where Gary Neville's been commentating on Man United games, and, and like you say, he'll make his ooh noise um, for, for for real half chances. And I'm thinking he's doing that on purpose because he knows they are listening. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's psychological stuff, but um, yeah, it's, it was just an absolute stonewaller for me, and and so frustrating that it it, it wasn't given. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing as well. We're not robots. It's human error. So it's a human error from the referee and then it's humans that are then judging it on the VAR. But it's it's not like one of those where players are always quite physical when a, when a corner or a free kick's coming in. They, sometimes they say, oh, it's, it's uh, half a dozen of one or whatever the saying yeah. is. It's, you know, it's, uh, it, they're, they're, they're both as bad as each other kind of thing. Gabriel didn't have yeah. anything on him, did he really? He didn't have he didn't have his hands on him. He was literally just running through and he had two hands on Gabriel and pulled him to the ground. But we've had a few of those this season, haven't we? We had the most notably on Gabriel Jesus, didn't we, where it should have been a red card for him uh, for the player denying a goal scoring opportunity running through. Uh yeah. I think that was against Southampton, wasn't it? Um yeah. But yeah, it it just seems like we're not getting these decisions, and it is really frustrating because these decisions change games. The goals change games, penalties change games, 
and for mm. when you're playing a team that plays as negative and defensive as Newcastle played today, you really do need to get that initial goal so that they have to then come out and then you've got a real game on your hands. Yeah. I wonder if the fact that, the, um, like you say, because it was a corner and there's so many men in the box that they, yeah, like you say, they, they see that see that, and it, it's not like a one-on-one one isolated incident. It's like a, a big jumble of players. So they just sort of treat it that way and not actually take into account the 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 foul on Gabriel. Um I do think that will play into the ref's mind as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But then at the same time, they shouldn't then be given those decisions in other games. If if that's oh. going to be the benchmark that when it's a corner and you, you have a bit of argy-bargy. Because to be fair, I quite like the argy-bargy. I think it should be a physical game. And when a corner comes in, players should be able to give each other a little push here and there. And it should be all kosher. But because there's a line and it says that you're not actually allowed to do that then if you're going to give it in some games you have to give it in all games yeah and, and shirt pulling is is one of those ones where it's it's a guaranteed yellow anywhere else on the pitch i mean odegaard got a yellow for it um in the game a little tiny little pull on i think it's almiron um wasn't really going anywhere he, in fact he even still made the tackle after he barely even tugged on his shirt still got booked you know so if we're giving it there, then then it's a penalty, especially when it's being dragged back from a set piece. So, yeah, it's, it's really frustrating. Um, but having said that, uh, we still pressed, um, pressed on for the for the goal. 80th minute, we had a corner. Uh, Martinelli, of all people, got on the end of it, sort of flashed across the face of goal. Uh, if you remember, mm. um, I was really hoping that we could, you know, someone that was running in at the back post like like they normally normally do but um there was just no one there at this time which was frustrating but uh, another big chance went missing there yeah everyone got drawn towards the ball didn't they everyone got sucked into the near post and you were just wishing that you'd have Eddie and Ketty or someone just at the back stick to be able to tap it in but to yeah. be fair Martinelli wasn't actually too far away himself from it just falling oh. i think Keeper was he was uh, flat-footed, wasn't he? He wasn't getting there. But yeah, I think yeah. that's another one where if it's not your day, it's not your day. You know, on a, on a different yeah. day, I, I guess if that was against Brighton, then we probably would have scored that. But yeah, yeah it just it, it felt like everything was against us today, really. And it, it we could have played. I know we're going to get onto this uh, about the extra time and stuff, but I feel like we probably could have played for an extra 20 minutes or so and not scored, so... Yeah. Do you think um, we were crying out for some attacking substitutions? I mean, I'm looking at that bench, I wasn't really seeing any obvious player to come on. I think Vieira was probably the most attacking option we had. Um, what you know? What were you thinking with that? Yeah, well, there, there wasn't really anywhere for us to be able to roll the dice or rejig things was there like it was 80 minutes in and we've made one sub I think and yeah that was that was a defensive sub it was Ben White for um, Tommy Asu and to be fair our first 11 is great but they do get tired and you do need to have if if whatever you're doing isn't working then you need to change it and you need to change the mm. personnel to be able to try and do something different but 
we do we, we look to our bench and there really is nowhere for us to like you say we've got Vieira but then with Odegaard playing how well as he has been you don't really want to change him because as you say he could just have that one moment of brilliance and then that can win you the game so you're reluctant, yeah. reluctant to take Odegaard off so then where else are you going to fit Vieira on you're not going to take him off for Saka because Saka's got the beat and a burn and he's pinning him back so yeah uh, other than that, we don't really have any depth for substitutions at all. So it would be really interesting to see if we uh, get another attacker in January. Yeah. I mean, for me, it wasn't a case of anyone was playing particularly bad. Uh, I think Martinelli had his had his chances. Saka was doing really well. Um, I thought Nketiah had a really good game. Um, yeah, Odegaard probably was the, the, the quieter of of the four but um yeah for me i think if we'd have had a fresh attacking player and i'm talking striker or, or a wide forward coming on um after they've been defending you know you saw all their players pulling up with hamstring issues and, and muscular issues because that's how much they must have been running that game because they were practically defending from minute one um if we'd have had fresh legs attacking them uh i'd like to think we could have you know, really caused them some more problems, but we just didn't have those options to bring on. And 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 like you said, I'm really hoping that in in this window we can we can add someone because it, I think it's going to be crucial if we're going to pick up these vital points to keep us in this title race. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree, and it it, it does actually show you the level of of how how far we've come because we're we're looking at this feeling a bit deflated, but. You know, it's we've we've just won how many in a row? We've I think in our last we're undefeated in ten, and yeah. we've only drawn two. I think of them, and it's it's unbelievable form. It's title winning form. This uh, and it just shows you the levels that we've set that we're feeling a little bit disappointed about this game. But yeah, I, I do think when we if well if and when we get someone in the transfer window, I think everyone everyone's eyes are set on Mudrick and his, his eyes yeah. are definitely set on Arsenal. If we do get Mudrick in, in the January transfer window, he does feel like he's this type of guy to come into Arsenal and be able to change games uh, and game states the way that, that, that we had tonight. Yeah, I mean, he would be a perfect player to come on. You know, he's tricky, he's pacey, he's direct. Someone in that mould to run against Dan Byrne when he's been, when he's absolutely flagging it, you know, 70 minutes onward is, you know, has got to be, you know, a good chance of, of creating chances, basically. Mm. Um, the fact that we've got Smith Rowe coming back from injury as well is, is also going to be a, a huge boost. Um, I was hoping to see him on the bench today, really, because um, he's been back in training, um, but maybe this this up, upcoming Oxford game is going to be more suited to to reintegrating him back into the squad. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And seeing Smith row back, it, would, it it does make me wonder how he's going to worm his way back into the first team. But he's always a great option to have, and as you said, because of our lack of depth on the subs bench, then. Even like last season, he he contributed so well from the substitutes bench. I think he he was in double figures mainly from the subs bench. So every good team has that player. I think United used to have Solskjaer, didn't they? He, he used to come on and 
get loads of goals from the bench. So, yeah, it'll be great to see him back in. Um, just going back to the game a little bit, um, I thought that Zinchenko and Xhaka played too much of a similar role during the game. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but it seemed like they were both picking up really similar positions. And because they're both left-footed players with similar like technical ability, and um, it, it felt like they were always in each other's always in each other's space really yeah no I completely agree I noticed that as well and one of the the substitutions that personally I would have made is I would have got Tierney on for Xhaka and pushed Zinchenko into that role on his own because like you say they were occupying each other's spaces um it would have been better to utilize uh Zinchenko's more attacking flair um I you know that that is one sort of attacking option that I would have gone with personally Mm. but um yeah, because yeah, that, that... You, so, sorry to interrupt, but could, because you you could then stretch the plays physically as much as you can, then because uh, the, Newcastle wanted to stay compact whilst they were doubling up on our wingers. So if you then bring on another player like Tierney, who's going to run in behind, you can have Martinelli cutting in, dragging the players in, and then popping it off to Tierney, who's running in behind. But Zinchenko didn't really offer any outlet going forward at all, really, and. Whilst Xhaka has been decent making a few runs, he he really isn't as effective as Tierney at running in behind. No, no, exactly. Yeah, I think I think Zinchenko was making some good forward passes um, mm. and sort of splitting the lines at times, um, and maybe giving him that space on his own would have allowed a bit more freedom to to push on even f- further plus the fact that I mean, I mean we even joked at half time didn't we Who who's going to be the, the, the player to get a second yellow and get sent off and, <laughs> and we both probably would have said Xhaka uh, especially when he's making stupid reckless challenges um, yeah right and he almost did didn't he time. he almost did get yeah. sent off <laughs> exactly so if there's one player you want you know off and to, to give yourself a little bit of a reassurance that we're going to finish the game with 11 men then it probably would have been him yeah. um but you know it, it's it's easy to to reflect isn't it after the game and say this is what we should have done um who knows that they were they were tough to break down we eventually did break them down though and did create a, a pr- probably our best chance of the game and that was in the 87th minute a really big eddie and Ketia chance um i don't think he could have done much more of it to be honest and it, it was a great save from um from Nick Pope with his feet um you know it's again really really frustrating but you know what what did you think to that one yeah he, the control was absolutely superb to he just cushions it with the, the underside of his foot and uh, to be able to get half a yard and uh, get a shot off but the the angle is against him but he scored from that kind of angle in the in the last game that we played so it's definitely it's it's definitely in his locker to be able to score that goal. Um, yeah, I think you just got to give Nick Pope credit. Really, he, he gets down well. He gets a save with his legs and he covers his angles well. Because to be fair, there wasn't really much of an angle to aim at, unless he went near post. You could maybe argue, but yeah, Nick, Nick Pope uh, cut the angle off really well. But it, it was a great chance, a brilliant chance, and maybe if he if it was a little bit more accurate or had a bit more venom in the shot, then we, we might have scored yeah. that. Yeah, I think you just put it down to 
great effort, great save. Um, just one of those, really. Um, sort of the story of the game, isn't it? Just two two pretty solid teams nullifying each other. Um, but yeah, I would probably say that was our, our biggest chance. Um, eventually, though, there was a, another um, penalty shout, if you will, uh, and that was right at the death of the game. Uh, a handball. I can't, I can't remember which Newcastle player it was, um, but it clearly did strike his arm. Do, do you, would you say that was a penalty, or would you say that's more ball ball to hand? Uh, well, when you watch it with the the slow mo and all the replays, you you're kind of clutching at straws, aren't you? You're thinking, like, come on, please give it, because you're thinking with the, on the emotional side of it, you're thinking, please give me a penalty, but. To be fair, if you if you if you take your Arsenal hat off, uh, and you if you're looking at it as a mutual, he's literally like a yard or so away um, from is it Martinelli who was trying to cross it in? I think it was Martinelli, wasn't it? So, yeah. uh, it? It was about a yard, two yards away, and he's absolutely blasted it at him. And you can't dive in like that with your arms behind your back because you, you'd have no balance. He's he's done it with his arm up because it's not in an unnatural position because he's using it to steady himself as he's diving in. So I would be really disappointed if that was given against us. However, at the time and at the, with all the emotion of it, I was desperate for them to give us it as a penalty. What do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right to, to try and to switch it up and, and, and analyze it in, in terms of if it was against us, how would you feel? That's always a good barometer of, of, of how you really feel about the decision, because obviously bias does come into play a little bit, and I think I'm I'm with you on that one. If it if it if it was one of our players and the ball would have striked our, you know, one of our defenders' arms, I'm not sure you could say that he can really do much about it. Um, mm. But Arteta clearly thought otherwise. Um, but this is probably going into the the psychological element of trying to get into the minds of the officials um, he was absolutely screaming for it running up and down the touchline he even had a little bit of a tiff with Eddie Howe at the end didn't he <laughs> yeah that was pretty funny actually but I guess if you're Arteta you're drawing nil-nil you've just had a really frustrating game where the opposition's pretty much just time wasted for 90% of it and so you're in the 96th minute and you've got a handball penalty shout you're going to go absolutely nuts, aren't you, until and hopefully that they give it, even if you believe it was or not. Because let's be honest, Arteta, from where he was, he was, it, there's no chance he had a clear view of if it was a handball or not, really, was it? So, no, of course, he's going to go crazy for that. But, yeah, I, I think the first penalty shout was a definite pen, and the second penalty shout, I would be disappointed if it was given against us, so probably not mm. a penalty. I wonder, did VAR even look at it? I don't remember seeing... Any confirmation whether VAR even looks at that towards the end? Did, did you see that? I think they did, and they they agreed with the on-field decision. They, they, didn't, right. they didn't say there wasn't enough to turn it over or anything like that. I think right. they agreed with the on-field decision. But, yeah, that, you know, it's frustrating. But I think by that point, the game had already gone, really, hadn't it? We'd, we'd had our chances to be able to put it to bed and... Um, you know, actually score a goal in the first five minutes and maybe mm. not leave it to the 96th minute to be able to have a penalty shout. But, you know, sometimes yeah. that's just the way it goes. Yeah, I think like we said right at the start of the pod, 
upon reflection, it's a game, a really, really tough game against third place Newcastle who do not concede a lot of goals. Um, frustratingly, it's the first game we've not actually managed to score. I think we just sort of cancel each other out a little bit. We, you know, we probably were the better team. Um, and it was just one of those where if you don't win it, you don't lose it. And that's exactly what we did. Um, yeah. So it could be a valuable point come the end of the season. Um, I don't think many teams are going to play Newcastle um, and get much. Uh, the only frustrating thing is, you know, we were at home, so you'd like to think we could, you know, maybe get get the three points at home, then maybe have you know the draw at St James's. But you know, like I've said, I think it could be a valuable point come the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, Newcastle have only actually conceded eleven goals all season, and that's in eighteen games. And that's the best in the league. The, the second yeah. best is Arsenal with 14 goals. Um, so, yeah, you're playing against the what, statistically what's the best defence in the league this season. So it's not a surprise that it was really uh, it was a frustrating day for our attackers. But we know how much potential our guys have got and we know how free-flowing and how threatening they are and how many goals they can score. So I'm not going to be too worried about them. Um we we've given a little bit of ground up to Man City, but they've got to play Chelsea, I think, next. I think they're away to Chelsea in their next game. So that's no easy feat either. So we could still maintain a nice healthy gap going into the uh, following fixtures. So it's not all panic stations just yet. No, no. I mean, we're not going to win every game. Um, we're going to drop points and I'd rather drop them to teams that are around us. You know, we've dropped them to Man United, we've dropped them to Newcastle. We're not dropping them to, you know, the teams at the bottom of the table, like like West Ham. You know, we're, we're putting in solid performances, we're, we're getting three points on the board there and I think come the end of the season, the, the table will reflect, reflect that um, and put us in good stead. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And talking about a team that is well they're not actually around us at the minute which is hilarious but our next fixture in the Premier League is against Tottenham Hotspur and that is a way at their ground how do you reckon we're going to do in that game well I think at the, la- at the end of the last pod we sort of did a little prediction didn't we mm. um, I think we both went with a draw if I remember correctly yeah um, just thinking actually um, did any of our players get yellow cards today that would have put them on <laughs> enough yellow cards to to um, suspend them for the North London derby. Uh, I was just about to say, I think most of our team got yellow cards today, so yeah. I would have to look That's at the players that, that didn't get yellow cards. I don't think Saliba got a yellow card, and he was one of the guys no. that was due a suspension if he did. So I think it was him. Was it? I think the other player was Gabriel Jesus, but obviously he didn't play. And was it Saka? I think Saka was the third player. Yeah, Saka's on three or four, isn't he? So He didn't get a yellow card. So it could have been him. I'm pretty sure. No, no, he didn't. It was Xhaka, Odegaard, Nketiah and Zinchenko with the yellow cards. (laughs) Xhaka I'm not sure about because he is a very bookable player (laughs) for us. Um, So that will be interesting to find out. Hopefully uh, he's still eligible for that game because... He's a crucial element to our midfield, but um, he's only had yeah, three I think... this season, Jacker. I've just right. it. <laughs> well, there we go. Then I think we should be okay. Um, 
there's a little consolation for everybody. We've got a fully fit team with no suspensions uh, for the North London derby. Um, but yeah, I think I think I'd be happy with a draw away at, at Tottenham. Um, what about you? Yeah, that, I I don't know if I if I'm moving the goalposts a little bit now though because I was expecting us to win this game. I feel like if we go from the form that we've had to then get two points from six, it does yeah. seem quite underwhelming for the 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 high standards that we've already set. But then at, at, at the same time, you can't really complain getting a point away from home at Spurs. So mm. they're not playing think, well, though, are they? No, no. And I think it's probably the best time to play them. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I really would hope that we win that game but yeah I, I'm with you I, I think we're going to have another frustrating draw and I think they're going to set up really similarly to how Newcastle did I think this is going to be unfortunately a mould for teams to play against us this season because of how we've absolutely ripped teams apart I think everyone's going to look at Newcastle now and they'll see that if they do try and frustrate us and shut up shop then they might be able to get one or two chances from set pieces and that's going to yeah. be the uh the moulds to be able to try and beat Arsenal in 2022-2023. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I think that's why it's so crucial that we keep coming out of the out into these games from minute one and, and really pushing for that opening goal because mm. that really does put them under pressure. But if they can come out of those 15-20 minutes at, you know, having not conceded, it gives them belief, doesn't it? Um, but we shall see. We shall see. Right. Okay, yeah, I think we've covered everything from the game today. Not that there was much to talk about. There wasn't too many goals or much excitement, but hey-ho, that's football sometimes. But yeah, we're uh, we're going to be doing another podcast after the Oxford game in the FA Cup. So we'll uh, see you next time. Take care, bye, guys. Bye.